Radio. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's, everything's coming up Simpsons. Simpsons. Ooh. <laughs> Hello. That's our new title. Yeah. Deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> it feels good coming out. It does feel good. Was, you know, yeah. a lot of people have accidentally called our podcast that, including Nick Weiger, who we love. <laughs> and uh, it sounded so good coming out of those doughboy lips that uh, we had to just we stole do them. a little switcheroo. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get too far, I want to say that this episode is brought to you by, ooh, we have so many sponsors today, Allie. Are you ooh, ready? yeah. All of them are print media. Uh-oh. <laughs> so this is frozen. <laughs> I know. So, uh, Bad start. We're getting the window. Uh, it's a very brief window for this being uh, relevant. Um, timely Crook of the Year mm, is one of mm-hmm. our, our sponsors. Mm-hmm. News Weekly, um, and uh, the headline for this is Rhymes with Dastard. <laughs> that, I enjoy that. Um, the magazine Today's Guns, uh, the 357 Magnum is the clown stopper for that one. And uh, we're also brought to you by the Springfield Review of Books, where you can find amusing caricatures of Gore Vidal and Susan Sontag. <laughs> I loved that joke so much. That's hardly a joke. I mean, oh, they're giving oh, us money. I, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry. So, so, so sorry. Uh, we are, of course, um, here to talk about the episode Krusty Gets Busted. It is the 12th episode of the first season. It originally aired on April 19th, 1990. It was written by Jay Kogan and Wally Walidarski. It was directed by ba- blah, 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 Brad Bird, excuse me. And the showrunners at the time were James L. Brooks, Matt Groening, and Sam Simon heard of them <laughs> i i have heard of them yeah they are oh, big names yeah. important to the They've simpsons come world up a couple times as we've been doing this podcast about the simpsons um this might actually be the first time we're talking about a season one episode um unless i unless we're uh, yeah I'm, we I'm, did cover the oh yeah the treehouse right. of horror is from season, season two season two uh yeah so uh I, i'm i love uh every early iteration of Simpsons so much. Like, I, the cruder, the better. Mm-hmm. It's just so fun to see kind of where it started. And um, it's not, all, I don't think we've actually talked about a Brad Bird episode. And I'm very excited because we're t- we're talking to someone that is very knowledgeable about all of this. Yeah. Uh, and, you don't know that. <laughs> oh, well, I was crossing my fingers when I said that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, m- maybe he's just here to talk to us about, like, you know, what's the best thing to get at Costco? And that's a, a riveting hour of Pizza. podcasting. Ooh, Pizza. you're they right. They do, and it's uh, cheap. Cheap, it's cheap. TVs. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Let's all go to Costco after this. Hell yeah. All of us <laughs> listening in the car. Um, so you already heard our, our guest for today, but I'll go ahead and introduce him. Um, he is the executive producer of Starburns Industries. Give it up for Joe Russo. Give Hell it yeah. Up. <laughs> Give it up in your car as you drive. Honk, honk for Joe Russo. <laughs> Gosh, I hope no one wrecks on their way <laughs> as their hands are in the air. But wouldn't there. it be flattering? Well, I, 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 but at the same time, I don't want anyone to get hurt. They're a like nice the, man. That's the subtitle I think of every podcast. God, I hope no one wrecks. Yeah. <laughs> or I hope they do. Because again, Allie, that is kind of a compliment. Yeah, I mean, to be responsible for so many accidents, I just think that's nice. <laughs> hey, I just came here to see Honk if you're horny in peace. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, what are we even doing here? We're talking about The Simpsons. Oh, uh, uh. yeah. So, Joe, uh, we have been told uh, that you have many a tale for us, and truly, the format of the show for people that uh, listen uh, already know. But for new people, we tend to talk to our favorite people just about their favorite episodes. But when we have the privilege of talking to people that actually have worked on The Simpsons, we really just try to squeeze them for everything they'll give us. So, money, um, <laughs> favors. Hold on. Um, Oh, great. I have, I have like $32. There's a $2 bill there. Oh, okay. Uh, in here somewhere. Well, we can split that, Allie. What do you I, think? I happen I mean, to like this one. My son got this for my mom. It's a, a tradition that happens in our family. But uh, we, we give out $2 bills. There's there's this weird thing about $2, $2 bills, too, though, because uh, I guess back during the Second World War, if you got a $2 bill, um, it was because the war effort was taking up so much uh, uh, um, paper supplies and mm-hmm. and coppers and and metals and stuff like that. That um, the two dollar bill just meant that your son was at war dying. Oh Whoa. man! So it's a kind of a bad thing. Um, so I'll put this back. You guys can have the thirty six dollars that's <laughs> left over in the pocket. That's really interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Nor did I. I just always thought they were funky. Well, it's eighty years later, and no one cares anymore. Yeah. About the war effort. Right. 
Uh, well, let's bring it back. Let's get people caring about the war effort. You, I think it's important. You asked the me Star into this room. Wars. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, so, bec- I-, I think just because we've talked about so many things on the podcast um, and so little about Brad Bird, who is such a genius, and you could see in this episode like how cinematic um, a season one episode is. Like it's it's kind of mind blowing. Like you get all the different colors. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've seen the episode recently, you might remember um, just the the tonal shift in color alone um when bart is uh sad about his hero being yeah. a bad dude uh it's all blue like we get this really gorgeous like blue sheen over it and mm-hmm. things like that and uh we of course can go through the episode um and find moments like that but what can you tell us about brad bird and any any experiences that you have there I remember him coming into the studio a lot, and and uh, because I was I was I was a low tier person at the time. Um, I think season one, I was I, I I was doing backgrounds and maybe uh, like a little bit of layout, but not too much. Uh, but Brad was really like an influential person. He was uh, the the show was so young, and this is at Classic Chupo. Gabor Chupo like took a chance on letting me like work on this show after. Firing me twice and stuff like that, <laughs> well, uh, but he uh, seems stable. He, yeah, well, <laughs> he no was. Stories about him he, being a maniac. He, he, he. Oh, really? You know what, man? He's my hero. He, oh, wow, really? Yeah. After all the things that have happened in the course of my career, Gabor Chupa is the one who, like, said, "Don't let anyone fuck with you, and just keep moving." Can I say fuck? Yes, you can't say fuck. And and, and moving <laughs> like moving on with like 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 don't don't allow anyone into the your. Uh, the idea of what you want to do with your career because their ideas are really based solely on what they want to do. Right. And, and you know, the people that wanted me gone from The Simpsons were executives that were coming in after the show was uh, hijacked by by Fox at large. Uh, and not for bad reasons, but they, they, they were like, this is how – you know, they they had a better idea of how to how to make the show that this tiny animation company where I was employee number six <laughs> uh, were were you know we were sitting there going like hey we're doing these one minute vignettes for the you know Tracy Ullman show and they were like hey you know here's how we do it um, in this sinister tone mm-hmm. um, and uh, at the time I was just a, a lowly PA and and. Um, I said, I'd like to work on the show and uh, Wes Archer and David Silverman um, in their own like uh, crazy way showed me how to work on that show and, and including on the production side, which is why I now have a company that knows how to produce things. But on the art side, which is uh, what limited abilities I have at uh, being able to draw things, um, they showed me how to draw things and Gabor said, well, give them a chance. And the producers who were sort of shoved through the doors. Um, they were resistant to any sort of old school Klaskichupo people being on board. And so when it went to Fox at large, um, with, you know, all of us that had, that, that had these uh, low numbers in the, in the uh, employment uh, uh, payroll system, were all like, you know, worried about our jobs. But he was he was like, don't worry about it. I'll make sure you keep getting a paycheck. Let's just figure out what you can do. Even after I got fired, you mm-hmm. know, a couple of times by him and other people, he was like, I, I believe in you on some respect. That's really great. That's really cool. I yeah. guess I was I had an idea of because I knew that Miss Doctor Nick is based on him a little bit mm-hmm. and how he spoke, and I just heard <laughs> some like stories of him being like a really. Cool, creative, eccentric. So that's sort of where I was coming from with it. But that's really cool that he, like, you know, stuck up for you and was loyal to you. Well, the first time I got fired, he had me, like, start babysitting his kids and go to his house and build stuff just so he could keep me around because he, I think he felt, um, and I don't know, we, we could talk to him about that, but I, I, I would hope that he felt that I had a passion towards um, doing what, what, you know, like he, he wanted to, he wanted to keep making cartoons and making cool stuff, and I shared that passion with him. And because he couldn't figure out how to make the people that worked for him believe the same way, because they were all sort of cut of the same jib, which is guy shows up at eight, works till five o'clock, goes home or whatever. 
uh, I don't, you know, I'm just supposing what could have happened, but that I didn't fit it into that mold um, and I wasn't going to ever. They just got frustrated and let me go. So he would like, okay, go, you know, take care of my kids and I, I need a, be- a deck in the backyard. And eventually he would bring me back in to work on stuff like Rugrats or some of the other shows that worked at, uh, cool. that, that were produced by Klasky. But, um, uh, you know, I hold him in the highest regard. He was such an amazing person in my life that said, you know, I mean, this is going to be a crazy story. I'm not even sure how to get into this one. But at some point I was fired by a producer who um, who who rightfully let me go because I was uh, I, I didn't bring film to the lab that was supposed to have been exposed. So the client this is back when film was relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that the client could look at and the client wasn't able to do that. And so they, because of my um, indiscretion, the client wasn't able to like see what they paid for. And so by all rights, I was, sh- should have been let go. And Gabor said, well, um, in, in, in this is just, I mean, this is 30 years ago. So I'm going back trying to remember exactly the words, but he's basically said in my country, uh, in order to, um, uh, be uh, uh, have respect in your in your in your community. You need to wrestle, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and he he like started wrestling me, and the producer that fired me walked by the office and saw that go down and called the police. Oh my god! And then the pro- <laughs> I thought he meant like <laughs> metaphorically. No, no, he was like... he was absolutely let's wrestle and and uh, see, this is what I mean. <laughs> yeah, God was amazing. Yeah, God was amazing. And it, the wrestling was all of it, like four four seconds of two guys like getting into this position, and the producer thought that we were doing something. And the next thing, I'm in the back of a squad car, with, you know, in handcuffs, and God was laughing. Oh my god! <laughs> and and. And then the producer that let me go said, you, 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 there's something, there's a, a star shining on you saying that somebody is giving you the opportunity to do something great with your life. Take the bull by the horn, stop fucking around and do something great. And that person um, made such a difference in my life. Marco Pipkin is her name. And she was one of the producers from the early years. And her saying make a difference with your life and grab the bull by the horns changed my whole tack on what I was doing. And I was like, oh shit, I should really take this seriously because these people give a shit and I'm just sitting around going, oh, I can't wait to be a rock star or whatever. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and so season one, I was given the um, the task of doing background cleanup. And this is back when, I mean, the only show prior to The Simpsons, if I remember correctly, like that was on prime time was The Flintstones. Flintstones. Right, yeah. You know, and so we we were like definitely breaking new ground as far as the like the 90s was concerned. And um, Fox took a chance on us and Klasky took a chance on us. And we were all like sitting there going, what the hell are we doing? Um, I started like drawing backgrounds and um, the show got picked up like for a full season and you know the rest is history but it was it was these people and all the like trying to figure out their roles and art and and how everyone fits in and you know it's an ongoing struggle especially you know i can relate that to the studio that i run now there are people that you 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 try as you can to figure out how to run a new studio and and there's shows like Rick and Morty and Cops and Animals and the shows that we do here at Starburns and how do we make sure that we put the best foot forward and and not trivialize anything that we're doing because we care so much about what we're doing. And I think if it wasn't for people like Gabor Chupo and Marco Pipkin, I wouldn't care half as much because I would just be like, oh, I can just get away with whatever the fuck <laughs> I want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I feel like caring about something is is that secret ingredient to good television that people don't talk about. Like mm-hmm. you really like, you know, you could make something that's formulaic and on all accounts or on many accounts, it'll be good. Mm-hmm. But it's the things that are like made with the most heart. And like, I really care about this that like it shows. And then you get people yeah. that make podcasts about them because they're obsessed <laughs> with how much love was put but, into it. Yeah. I mean, you guys obviously care. You know more about this shit than I do. And I worked on the show. Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a clunky transition. But but Brad cared insanely about animation at large and like it shows with the stuff that he's done all the way up to, you know, the things that he's been doing lately. And um, that he, you know, when he when he came in to to direct 
Krusty gets busted, it was like everyone stood up at, and, and saluted because it, he's such a force. He was the first. I mean, we had great, amazing Mark Kirkland and Rich Moore and mm -hmm. Ken Bruce and David Silverman and Wes Archer. And these guys were just fucking phenomenal creative artists. And something about Brad was different because he looked at the way the show should be made and took a, a show that had like this, you know, we all were like, I think the thing that we all looked at when we watched The Simpsons was, oh, God, that guy's way worse off than me. Mm -hmm. You know, where Homer's just a dumb shit and, and his kids were just all, you know, kind of stupid, but but they, they were all full of heart. Um, but Brad took it to a place where now let's tell a story. Let's give it some depth. Let's go yeah. deeper into the zeitgeist of what you guys are all looking at and let's give it some something that people can really hang on to. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's always done. All of it. I mean, Iron Giant is still to me like uh, tears oh my heart, heart apart. I can't tell you how many Iron Giant tattoos I've seen in my lifetime. <laughs> like so many more than The Simpsons and that's mm. saying a lot. But <laughs> but yeah, no, completely. And I think that also, so this is the 13th episode of the first season. I mean, it's still early on in, in sort of developing the look and the style, but by the 13th episode, you know, you've kind of created created a groove it feels but to come in like brad did and try to shift it feels like you know really really cool and really important and off of what you were saying earlier ali like it's palpable how much you know the simpsons creators the animators the writers the showrunners care about this thing and i talk about this all the time in my real life and on the podcast but like it doesn't it's not necessary for it to be as good as it is. Like, it's not necessary for them to have sign gags that are also as hilarious as dialogue <laughs> gags, you know, or jokes, I guess, is how they're more commonly referred to. Um, it's not necessary for this episode to expand the universe into a very cinematic turn with Sideshow Bob. Um, it could have just been, you know, like one degree less than that, but to push it to that level and also having the great voice talent of Kelsey Grammer and all this other stuff, expanding the world, it just feels like it's not only doing good by what they want and their integrity, but it's doing good by the the viewers, that they want to produce the best version of the show and, and not just produce, you know, like a nine to five job and then go home. Right. You know, there's true heart and integrity there that I think is you can really feel. Uh, what about this episode sticks out to you as as uh, as special and aside, including Bad Bird, but maybe aside from that, what what makes this episode important to you? Oh, uh, um, well, there's all kinds of glib jokes I can I can make, but I think that the the I remember like when we got the assignment, it was me, like uh, Eric Keys, Eric Stefani. Um, there's a few other uh, uh, key players on this one that made me go like, oh, this is a different kind of episode that we're producing for The Simpsons that we're doing. And at the time, I mean, I was like 25 years old and I had no idea what I was doing. And and, and, and the 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 idea of doing something that had a like a villain to the the the, the depths and the misdirect that was going to happen and like the setup and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, well, this is like a, there's an A, B, and C storyline going on in this story. Um, it didn't like that. I think that was the first time I remember thinking about it like that because the other ones were like, here's an A story, but let's let's beat this one to death, and here's a B story, and let's like try to see <laughs> yeah. what we can do with it, you know. And 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 you know, for better or for worse, that was just everyone. No one was doing anything wrong. They were just trying to figure out what it was going, what was going on. And Brad was so like, um, he he was so schooled in his way of doing things that that made the most sense to him. Well, let's let's come up with a real like suspense thriller like mm -hmm. how does how do we make it so it seems like it's crusty the whole time and it turns out that it's this dreadlock guy you know who's the sideshow and mm -hmm. it's the whole shoe reveal and all that kind of stuff and and all of us were really excited about it when we heard the radio play for the first time we were like holy shit we're doing an actual show right. that's going to be on prime time that could level up with the other shows like i think uh, nyp PD Blues was on at the time, mm -hmm. or something like that, this or is before Married with Children. Oh right? yeah, for uh -huh. sure, yeah, and and Frasier for sure, and stuff yeah. like that. But it was just like it was we were competing with the real boys, mm -hmm. you know, the big television guys, and but we were making a cartoon parody of everything that they were trying to do with such earnest <laughs> yeah, intent, yeah, yeah. No and we were smart. like, "Fuck you, we're gonna make a cartoon version of it, and you can suck it." And, <laughs> and at the end of the day, we did, and I think if I'm I I don't know, I didn't look up. 
look it up, but I remember this being like either the first Emmy contender or the first Emmy like grab. Oh wow! For The Simpsons was Brad Bird's version. I, if not, like I gave it my own personal Joe Russo Emmy. Yeah, uh, which is arguably better than the real. It Emmys. could be. I mean, on some level. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Better monologue jokes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and in talking with Brad since, you know, we we've had very few conversations, but there's been like this this thing where I'm like, man, that was cool, and he's like, yeah, yeah I like what you're doing too, because I, I ran into him last year um, or two years ago when we were doing an Amalisa. Uh, and it was over at Telluride, and Brad was there to see some stuff. And I told him, "Hey, we produced this thing called Anomalies." And he's like, "Oh, that's one of the things on my like top of my list to see." And that to me was like, I, I, my career has come to the point where Brad Bird gives a shit about what I do the same way, hopefully, that I gave a shit about what he did right. twenty five years ago or whatever. That's, that's incredible. Cool thing. Yeah. yeah, that's all you want. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that and a piece of cake. Yeah. But I just had a donut, which is pretty good. I'm supposed <laughs> oh, good. to not eat cool. this stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're all just shooting to prove Brad Bird wrong. I don't know. <laughs> in a way, in a way, Brad Bird sets the bar of what you can and can't do yeah. because he's so good at what he does. And not, I know this show isn't about Brad Bird as you know the the, the common denominator be, between all things good and bad in The Simpsons. But sometimes it is. It is. It can be because he's just so good. Yeah. But let's not forget that you know. The David Silverman's and the West right, Archers that if it wasn't for them there would be no Simpsons mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Gabor Chupa believing that his studio could produce something that rich and beautiful there would be no Simpsons mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Gabor like selling 45s at the swap meet for a, you know buying them for a dime and selling them for a quarter to raise money to make his own studio there Gosh, would be that, no Simpsons that's like such an old timey story it sounds like it's, yeah. it's real though it's <laughs> yeah, real yeah no like, but that he, sounds great he moved – He, I mean, he defected from Hungary and came to the States to do something big, and he loved Frank Zappa. And eventually, uh-huh. because of the accolades that were given to him from producing shows like The Simpsons and Rugrats and things like that over at Klasky, he was able to buy a house right fucking next door to to, to Frank Zappa. <laughs> oh, wow. And that's a huge story. That's a huge thing. Yeah, and that yeah. was the inspiration for me going, wait, wait, if I can at least, like, like take a, a – a, you know, a knife and, and file off just a corner of the piece of of gold that he's he carved out for himself, then I can also feel that passion and that energy that he did in some respect because of people like him and Brad and Margaret Pipkin and David and Wes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that's great. Yeah. How early into um the Simpsons origin like did you know that it was very special? Like how quickly? Man. It was um, I was living in Santa Cruz and there was a girl named Karen Johnson who gave me uh, we were friends and I said, hey, I'm moving to L.A. Um, and and uh, she said, I can get you a job as a P.A. because there's a lot of backstory to that. But none of it needs to like become public. Um, you can talk to me <laughs> separately about that whole story. But basically, she got me a job as a P.A. And I remember like going going to work for my first day and knowing right away that there was something really powerful about what was happening on just on that. Because yeah. this uh, Klasky Chupa was doing like titles and trailers for Friday the 13th. And they were also doing some stuff with, uh, there was a bunch of different shows, 21 Jump Street titles and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Max Hedrum and shit like that. But The Simpsons was the one that we were all looking at going like, holy crap, this is really good. This this makes everyone feel like their lives aren't so worthless. <laughs> and um, at the at the end of my first couple of weeks of working there, I was like, I, I have to figure out a way to keep doing this. And so I, I devised a system because part of my job as a PA in the early days when it was on the Tracy Ullman show, part of my job was to log footage and put it in a storage bin. Um, and so I created sort of a Dewey decimal system for putting, you know, files of, of, uh, art and mag reels and negative and stuff like that into a bin. And the only way anyone could get to this stuff was either tear the thing apart and do like a full CSI Mm -hmm. version of, of, of figuring this out or, or ask me. <laughs> and Ooh, very it, smart. Yeah, it was a lot easier to ask me, and and you know, sort of uh, lets you into a little bit of the, the why Joe Russo is who he is. Yeah, um, don't but, make yourself uh, expendable. Yeah, yeah, and that's the that's actually the you know that was the the backbone of all of it. Um, 
And uh, I think that may have been something that spoke to God where to say, like, this guy, this kid wants to be part of this, like, mm-hmm. to the point where he's held our, you know, our, our, our uh, history Files hostage. hostage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and then, you know, and then there was, I had some uh, perspicacity for being able to draw. Um, I, I hand that off to my dad, mm-hmm. who's a, an amazing contractor and, and artist in his own right. Um, Joe Russo Sr., if we're going to tag this i don't know i don't know if he has an imdb or anything like that but he, he might um but he We're was making uh, one for him today yeah yeah hey get on and that, a twitter somebody. and everything but my dad no, was uh, my dad was really creative <laughs> and really a cool guy and my mom was really about like just finding your way and making it yours and i think all of those things put together made me like want to be part of something and knowing th- the way i felt about that is the way i felt about the first episode of rick and morty that we produced here at starburns that was Holy shit! This is this. I haven't felt this in twenty five years, and mm-hmm. this is a show that's really got deep cuts, and yeah. people are gonna get, give a shit about this because we do as much as we do. Hopefully, they do as much as they do. Yeah, yeah that's what I was gonna bring up. Is just that there's a quality of the Simpsons that is at uh, that exists within all of the Starburned stuff. Like it's there's something very very special about like everything that's come out of here that made us very excited to be at feral because yeah, we a common sensibility mm-hmm. yeah and yeah and rick and morty which i've you know i wrote an entire album about because i love it so much mm-hmm. um is so special in a way that only the simpsons has been in my opinion like even futurama which i love more than many of my family members and closest friends right but it's, it, it's, it's, it is a Starbucks next to a Starbucks. It is. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. like I didn't watch it for a long time because I was just like, I'd rather just watch The Simpsons. But then later oh. I realized they're very different. It's actually a coffee bean, but still. <laughs> nice. They call nice. it something else, but it's still a frap. Yeah. 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 And they're great in their own right. I love, right. I mean, there's, there's some, and people that came from Simpsons that went off to do uh, you know, th- those uh, Futurama and Family Guy and all the shows that have sort of disseminated from the, the, the main core. I mean, part of the reason Rick and Morty had has and I mean, the first couple of seasons had the heart was because uh, my uh, producing partner, James Fino, and the other found- co-founders of the studio, Dan Harmon and, and Dino Stamatopoulos, we really made sure to put our heart and soul into it. And be- I think because um, in part... In, in very small part by uh, James and I having a knowledge of those people because James worked on King of the Hill and I worked on Simpsons. We made connections over the years with these people that um, are veterans in the industry and do have history with how to make a show. Um, it, it always comes down from the, the the creator of the show and what their intention is. But because Dan gives such a huge shit yeah. about how his show is being represented and what, what makes the most sense to him and the way Justin really loves the art of animation and being able to like push the boundaries. We felt as a studio, we had to at least get as close as we could to raising our bar up to that standard. And, and that was a, that was a big deal for us. And so we went out and said, Hey, quit everything you're doing. Pete Michaels, Wes Archer, um, Scott Alberts, uh, you know, all these uh, people, uh, Carol, Wyatt, and uh, James McDermott, and make the show better than anything you've ever worked on before in the last 20 years. Like, because there's a million shows that you can work on, but there's only some, so many shows that will change the way you watch shows and the way you think about shows. And this is, you know, Rick and Morty is one of those. So Simpsons absolutely changed mm-hmm everything there is to know about watching primetime animation. Yeah, it's it sounds like you got a lot of great mentors over the years that kind of encouraged you to, um, you know, dare to give a shit in that way. And I feel like as we talk about Rick and Morty and The Simpsons and those kind of shows that really resonate with an audience, that's like the biggest thing about them that, you know, there's so many, it's, it's hard to make a show that has that strong of like uh, an integrity to it because it tends to be a little bit more expensive. You take a little bit more time to sort of figure it out and you have to bring on these like star people to make it the best that it can, but it's so worth it in the end because of course now we see Simpsons is still going strong. Rick and Morty is a fucking juggernaut and you know, people go crazy for it. It's insane. 
and I've loved watching its rise too. And, you know, it's completely deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there was a question in there, but thank you for en- encapsulating everything I would have said, but now I don't have to talk <laughs> oh, good. anymore. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Bye. <laughs> My coffee's cold. I have to go now. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, if we're going to. What else? Let's get into talking about this episode a little bit. So, what we like to do for people that haven't um, seen this episode in a while, we like to recap them with. Um, I'm whatever... one of those people. Oh, good. <laughs> whatever... Yeah, when is the last time you saw this episode? Uh, 1992. That's actually something that's interesting is talking to people that clearly love a thing, but they haven't revisited it. Uh, revisited it. And so there's like. You know, not that your memories will be wrong, but certain things. Oh, they're going to be absolutely. <laughs> I, and, okay. and I do things I like there's bits and pieces from the show that I that I that I bring up every now and then. My my wife was like crunching her toes up on the uh, on on the carpet the other day, and instead of going for the obvious uh, die hard die hard, um, <laughs> that I, is I, obvious. Thank like, you, yes, thank you yeah. for the assist on that. <laughs> yeah, but she was she was doing it, and uh, and I said, oh, that reminds me of this bit that was done on The Simpsons where. Um, uh, who's the bus driver? Oh, Otto. Otto, right? Otto. See, I haven't watched the show in a million years. <laughs> so Otto's looking at his fingers. And he goes, "Oh, these things are called fingers, but I, I don't really know why." And then he started moving, and he goes, "Oh, there they go." And it was really funny. <laughs> like that bit was so funny. I'm sure I butchered it, but it was really funny. I and I it. told that to my wife, and she's like, "Yeah." And those things, she thought it was funny too. And those things kind of resonate that yeah. that The Simpsons has time and time again made us re- remember things and realize things and incorporate them into our, mm-hmm. our, our our lowly, useless lives. I mean, absolutely. And the diversity of the jokes in The Simpsons. So you'll have a joke like that, which is like, you know, very silly and stupid and, and kind of relies on some, you know, physical sort of gag with it, too. But then you'll have like the Springfield Review of Books, yeah. you know, referencing Corvette Allen and Susan Sontag. Yeah. So that's a very like, you know, Harvard like kind of joke. But I love that. You'll have that and then you'll have man getting hit, hit in the crotch by a football. Groin. Yeah. Groin, yes. sorry. <laughs> no, only because it's such a funny I word. Know. Groin. Groin. Is such a, <laughs> yeah. And then and then next to that, you know, you'll have those sort of John Swartzfeldery um old-timey radio ones like um quiet you and <laughs> off I go and yoink. Um those are things that I had a girlfriend who's life, yeah. who's uh I, I, I'm sure it's not her uh, pin code anymore, but on her on her ATM card, it was yoink for a while. Oh, fun. That's very cute. <laughs> I hope I didn't just ruin someone's financial life. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I and, and, and have mercy on me for the, the, the Krusty Gets Busted episode. Mostly it was just my, my love for working with Brad and working on a show that changed how deep you can go with a show like The Simpsons. Yeah. But if you're going to ask me, like... Uh, you know, to to recall bits and pieces, I'm horrible at that. I well, couldn't we remember were, Otto's pre- name for Christ's sake. We prepared a quiz. Um, okay, and uh, we lock the doors, Noah. Lock I'm going to give doors. you. I'm going to give you a twenty out of twenty loss, uh, <laughs> over under twenty, and we're going to just. There's a two dollar bill on this. You better study up. <laughs> oh, shit, I should get that. Out. Actually, this one has my son's name written by my mom, so this uh-huh. has got even more. Oh my god! I'll be taking more. that. Yoink and yoink. Yoink to twice. <laughs> Oh, and it's um, from 76, so it's a bicentennial. Ooh. That is special. You can't um, have it. I'll give you a 20 instead. Oh, great. Oh, I would love that. There's still a two on it. <laughs> so um, just to recap, people that haven't yep. seen this episode in a while, um, according to Wikipedia, and I always read these ice cold, so they could be good, they could be bad. Um, in this episode, Krusty the Clown is convicted of armed robbery of the Quickie Mart, convinced mm-hmm. that Krusty has been framed. Bart and Lisa investigate the incident and discover that Krusty's sidekick, sh- side blah, 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 sideshow Bob, was the culprit. Pretty Bing, good. Bingo. Yeah. Yep. Bingo. You did it. I remember that. Sometimes they're they're like, in this episode, Bart talks to Lisa or like something <laughs> stupid where you're like, anything else? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, this episode is the first time we ever see Sideshow Bob, which it's, yep. you know, so uh, of, of course, uh, Joe, for you, like you obviously uh, watch The Simpsons chronologically, but for a lot of people... Uh, Julia and myself included, we didn't have that privilege because we weren't alive. And so it's funny. Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, man, I was you a child. <laughs> no, it's stupid. So I was born in 1991. And so this came out. What? And, the, and so this came out then. And mm-hmm. so it's funny to kind of like, I uh, clearly I've seen all the early episodes. I love them to death. I've seen them in order many times, but 
be a DVD. Mm-hmm. And um, but it is kind of funny because you you go back and you're watching what you don't realize is just the origin story of Sideshow Bob, which they reference many times later right. in Sideshow Bob episodes. And if you maybe don't love the first season, and the, you know, some people are just like, it didn't get good until season two or three. And it's like, all right, well, you're wrong. But also, <laughs> um, you're missing out on a lot of cool stuff. This is the first time he comes up and he's Kent actually Brockman a sideshow, too. which is funny. And the mm-hmm. first time Kent Brockman comes up and Chief Wiggum still has black hair, which is fun. <laughs> um, but you're getting all of these like, you know, they're creating the world right in front of you. And like, mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't imagine not wanting to see that. But I right. always loved like watching things from the very beginning because that's how you mm-hmm. learn. This is, yeah, a very good world building episode. And it's such like a specific choice to make like Sideshow Bob this exact kind of character to have like the the clown on the tv show be this like super you know highbrow literate academic kind of guy (laughs) who sings and has like ulterior motives of taking over the world and and just subtle things to show that you're smart like whom do you love (laughs) wasn't he like someone's gonna prove me wrong here but wasn't he like from princeton when all the guys who wrote on the show were from yale so that was kind of like a stab at them (laughs) oh yeah well it was in um brother from another series when david Hyde Pierce co-stars um, they do a joke where it's like and, well you were off at clown college he goes I'll have you not speak of Princeton in that yeah, way yeah, okay, that so. joke delights me to no end I'm going to give Simon Oray the uh, the credit for hipping me to that little nugget of wisdom because yeah. I, I would have never caught on that I, I remember like being really intimidated by the fact that the Harvard Mafia was working on this show right. like so you're talking like the, the the Minneapolis bullshitters were also drawing it so <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I, I don't know how that made them feel um, but I know that I was really intimidated by it and it, it made me want to work harder I guess because there was people like that had to pay off their school loans to mm-hmm. to to make sure that that, that I drew that stick figure the, with a <laughs> light bulb head the right oh, way I would love a celebrity basketball game where it's the Harvard Mafia versus the mini, or what did you say? The The Minneapolis Minneapolis Bullshitters. Bullshitters. (laughs) I bet there's probably a lot of like um, basketball twirling a la Harlem Globetrotters. Well, there's going to be a lot of us like just not showing up because we went skiing. And And when you do, you've got sunburned faces. Yeah, just with the eye things. uh uh, I I can't do that anymore because Trump fucked it up. That's all I'm going to say about politics. Oh, good. Thank God. Unless it's Team Dog v. Team Cat. I'll talk about those politics. <laughs> uh, one one fun tidbit about Krusty, which uh, some people might know, is that he was based on a real clown that Matt Groening apparently Whoa. watched uh, named Rusty Nails. Uh, so look him up. Uh, he died only uh, two years ago, the wow. guy who played him. And uh, his name in real life was James H. Allen. I looked up pictures of Rusty, and Rusty is terrifying. He just looks like a very scary... Uh, you know, I mean, his name clown. alone is terrifying. <laughs> like, it is. That's the one you pick. It's weird. And while it's funny to me, because like the Krusty the Clown is the only clown I know of. Um, so you know, the idea that there were clowns on television ever is kind of creepy to me. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, it just seems strange. But that was there a wasn't time. That was, was a thing, thing before you were born, where like clowns populated thing. the television way more than you probably ever wanted or could imagine. But yeah, I, I remember growing up. There was uh, there was there was there were clowns on TV. Um, yeah, and, I'm trying to remember some of their names. Well, there were some. Um, Dino's the best at this because he's got this whole clown thing going on. But uh, <laughs> I uh, heard about that from him. No, I'm oh, just okay. well, you should, if, if if you haven't, you should talk to him about <laughs> it because it's uh, it's definitely he, he makes it a. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write on his page, but he's uh, he's got a you know a thing with. Uh, this Chicago, I can't remember the name of the Chicago clown person that was uh, doing things. So can we cut this part of the show? <laughs> um, but uh, uh, as far as Krusty goes, like I remember Krusty being like this cool, goofy, you know, affable dude. But the Sideshow Bob, to me, the first time I ever like uh, set eyes on him with his, you know, crazy... Uh, uh, Big mane of hair, his dreadlocksy looking mm-hmm. things, and 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 I was like, wow, that that guy's really sinister. And he turned out being, you know, the whole he he was taken down the taken down the show. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a you know good good character design. Eric Keys, I don't know if Eric designed that one or not at the time. There was a lot of different designers, but Eric's 
uh, still currently one of the, and I'm just plugging friends now. Yeah. But er- Eric was great, uh, is great, and, and, and hopefully will continue to be great. I don't know. Yeah, character design is not something we've actually really talked about on the you show. You should get Eric on the show. I mean, yeah, he was, we'd he, love to. He quit, the, he quit high school to work on The Simpsons. So he's, he's so been young. on the show oh since God. he was 17. Oh, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's what you do. But God, yeah, can uh, you imagine? No, I can't. Teens, quit high school now. <laughs> yeah, and quit your job and quit everything and go work on a TV show because who yeah. knows? You could, yeah, I mean, get into an arm wrestle with someone very important and then you're <laughs> going to go to jail for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, character design is really interesting just in terms of like, obviously, showing you who a character is going to end up being because, you know, you look at Sideshow Mel and he's so pathetic. Like, in, yeah. like you know, when he, and it's just like, well, that guy would never, he, he, he's begging to get pied in the face. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, the voice of uh, Kelsey Grammer does make you feel like he's respectable. And there's that line in the, um, the later Krusty uh, and Sideshow Bob episode where it's just kind of like, hey, we need to respect you for uh, us to care if you get pied in the face. And that's mm-hmm. like true. Like, yeah. it, it, someone falling, of it. Mm-hmm. yeah, someone falling down is only funny if you think they're funny, which is why, or they're smart, which is why uh, Marx Brothers are inf- infinitely better than Three Stooges. But that's my own little Or that tangent. the silly walk is what it is. Exactly. For Monty Python, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this episode is so fun because um, I, I love that it's at its core just an episode about Bart and his hero and what it means when your hero might not be the guy you think that they are. And yeah. it's it's so applicable to everyone's life because whether it's uh, a mentor or, you know, just a, your own parent Tom um, Hanks. or Tom Hanks, <laughs> uh, Brian Adams. I met that guy and I thought he was really cool. And I went and talked to him a little bit and he was like, not as cool. Oh, no. Such yeah. a bummer. And I was so bummed. And I thought to myself, he's no Krusty the Clown. He's Aww. no Krusty the Clown. And what's cool, though, is like, um, you know, Bart is very flawed as a as a character or not a character. He's a great but, character. But, but you you want him to be like great. You want you you want him. You you have an emotional connection to that kid who, yeah. because we are all on some level Bart Simpson. And Absolutely. I think that's what uh, you can say whatever you want about any show. But if you can connect with a person on the level, you connect with Bart Simpson, who just wants to know how to be better yeah. and then make the wrong decision anyway. Yeah. Yes. We've all done that so many times, and, and 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 as I'm, you know, I've crested fifty and I'm moving on with my life in, in years. I still do it, and I still think back, like, how could I have done that better? And you learn lessons from yeah. shows like Simpsons because Absolutely. of how Bart fucked it up and showed you a better way to not do it. Just Absolutely. the episode Bart gets an F is so yeah. heartbreaking. Just thinking about that, oh, yeah. yeah. That he's just trying so hard and it feels like he's sort of like going against his own genetics. And, you know, despite himself, he's like still trying to improve. And there's just so much heart in that episode. It makes me. It makes me cry. Yeah. He gets very sad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I used to bust on Matt a lot um, in my own head because I'm like, here's this guy who's got this amazing show and he's still such. He's just so down all the time. And it, like we used to, whenever anyone would like mispronounce his last name, we would say graining like complaining yeah. because he was just always like, <laughs> and I remember like the first time I told him I started my own animation studio, he's like, oh, great. Just someone else to compete with. Oh, my God. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a PA from your show a billion years ago that, right. that worked his way up through. And your now your concern is that I'm going to somehow... Eclipse you? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to be okay. I don't know. I But he doesn't think he's going <laughs> right, to be okay, right. which is part of the charm of Matt Groening is, you know, at the end of the day, he still sees himself as, you know, all of the characters in his show. And, and most, I mean, assuredly, Bart, who's like, you know, the most... Yeah. Fucked up kid in the whole universe and just hopes to be better and just wants so badly to be the best. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that quality in Matt Groening, it, it does explain a lot, too, in how I think that like true creatives, they never maybe they dream of a place where they're like I can do this and this and that and then I'm going to be good. Um, but, you know, I feel like a lot of true creatives, they'll never reach that and they kind of don't want to. Like if I don't have anything to push toward personally, I, I feel like out of sorts. Like I always want to have a goal like and then a goal beyond the goal and then to just continue creating because that's all I want to do. But, you know, other people that may be in, like, let's say the animation game or the TV game just to, like, hit a certain dollar mark and then, like, retire forever. They weren't in it for the right reasons, I don't believe. Um, So 
something I really like about, you know, everything we're saying about Bart also does, at least in later seasons, exist in Krusty, too. Like, Krusty is kind of a grown-up Bart. Like, there's, like, he's successful in some ways in the same way that Bart is, like, loved by, you know, his you know, his friends and people think he's cool, but yeah. he's... They he's, can't read. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I think that Bart saw that the Krusty was something that he could, like, at least try to achieve, which is some not a level of greatness that is, by anyone's benchmark, awesome. But, yeah. Right. But to Bart, it was like, I could be, you know, I could at least somehow find a, find a way to be a clown. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. I love his <laughs> devotion true. to him. I love that, you know, he's just like, he's everything I want to be. He's my hero, you know, and just like how he's just so, like, adamant about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Brad felt, and I think, I, I don't know, but Brad, I think, f- saw that there was a way to make that, that, that desire to be something that great and to use that as the, the, the crowbar that allowed you to all of a sudden see that Krusty wasn't the greatest person and that he was also unable to protect himself from someone who's got a different agenda like Sideshow Bob, which is where it brought it to a depth that the Simpsons Simpsons had never seen before yeah. or, or or produced anything like it before and st- told a story that was just so heavy and so like deep and great and we're talking about the fucking Simpsons I know <laughs> and the and first was, season yeah yeah like out of the out of the gate like people were attracted to it because they're like here's a fertile playground that we can just go bananas with because it's cartoons For sure. and you don't have to get some actor to sit in front of a camera and try to emote you can put them in front of a <laughs> mic and get them to do something that they might never have done uh, or could yeah. ever achieve I mean Nancy Cartwright was pregnant on season two it was humongous there's no way she could have <laughs> acted in front of a camera and done that, but she could still do her job. And that was a great thing. And I think all of a sudden I was like, oh, shit, animation. Let's all jump in. This is a great thing. And it really made the whole industry explode. But Brad saw that one episode. Sorry to like sort of go off on a tangent. But Brad saw that episode and saw Krusty's character as here's this thing that you could try to be and, and be careful. Right. Because you don't know what's driving that person to where they are or who they're people that that. There's people around us at all times that have uh, alternate agendas that may not be the ones that are helping us get to where we we are, but to help them get to where they are. Are you talking about the lizard people? I am not (laughs) going to be specific about this. I'm I'm, I'm being very, I mean, word of caution to everyone. Don't don't trust the, look, make sure and do a background check. Family guy. Everyone around you, um, the, the people you love the most may not have the same agendas that you do. And they might have ties with Russia. Yeah. Oh. Ah, see, I told you I wouldn't talk I about know. politics. Um, what, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Were you looking at your phone? Are those notes? Or are you? Yeah, these up? are okay. notes. Oh, yeah, okay. I was, She's I just was... on Instagram this entire time. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah. I, it's really cool how you took your family out on a catamaran. How do you spell that? <laughs> um, um, I, I Yeah, I just. Um, oh, I was going to say just in terms of the animation and stuff that you mm-hmm. can't do. Um, there are just certain tiny little things like um, you know we have Saito Bob in the canon and he kind of like just I don't even know what the word is to describe the the how pad- how badly he like spills out of it. He doesn't oh, shoot yeah. out. He it flaccidly. It, yeah, he it's flaccid. Yeah, yeah. he Falls just kinda, out. And it's so humiliating. The cannon mm-hmm. was not a shooter. The cannon was not a shooter. Um, and uh, and all of these are great jokes too. Like I I mean you. As a first-time viewer of this episode, I don't believe would suspect that it would take the turn that it did. Plus, also, you know, the likeness of Sideshow Bob is so different from Krusty, so it kind of boggles the mind how mm-hmm. he could be framing him. They never had a mask at the end that, they like, never... explained how it worked, but... They didn't need to. It, it's so fun. And, of course, um, like, you know, most things uh, that have a mystery, let's solve the case uh, aspect to them, it is a... They reference Scooby-Doo, just like yeah. I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for those meddling kids. Yes. Which is my first band name uh, when I was five. The whole name? Uh, uh, whole... Those meddling kids. Oh, um, that's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah that's for great. a five year old. Yeah. I'm pretty proud. Holy shit, dude! But then Get my cousin was just like, "Let's call it TMK" because she loved like abbreviation and LFO and yeah, <laughs> AFI funky ones. Um, but uh, I I really love um, and this is actually something we see a lot in The Simpsons when Bart and Lisa team up to solve the case. Yeah. It's so fun, and we have Bart very literally have to say 
to Lisa, you're smarter than me, which is hard because, yeah. you know, it's embarrassing. It's humiliating, yeah. especially if you're cool to mm-hmm. have to, one, admit that smarts are important ever. Mm-hmm. And two, that you don't have them. At vulnerability. Yeah. Which very, is a hard word to very. say before all the coffee I need. I know. But it's a tough <laughs> word to say. And that, that, I think, is something that I think we all look to Bart and say, you know, yeah, you're you're not the sharpest knife in the in the in the drawer, but the that vulnerable aspect of you is something that I, it speaks to me because it's something that I really wish I w- that and empathy, I wish I was better at those mm-hmm. things and had a way to 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 just have them at I wish I didn't have to think about it. It, yeah. it was just part of me. But I have to constantly work at being vulnerable and being empathetic. Well, that's what makes, I think, Bart like an enduring character that appeals to the audience of The Simpsons. Because, you know, if he didn't have that vulnerability, ooh, that is hard see, to say. See, see. Ooh, and I've had coffee. Um, I think that people would just write him off as an asshole and, and you know, not really pay right. attention. And I love in my own writing, I love writing, you know, bombastic <laughs> asshole characters. Which is why people think I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Think I'm an asshole because I'm not I'm vulnerable. I'm not vulnerable or empathetic. I'm good at everything and I'm, I'm very smart. So um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> hi, welcome. And um, no, I, I believe that that's like a really good like trait like to observe and to really carry over into, you know, why Rick and Morty is, you know, as popular as it is and all these other things. There needs to be a tenderness to it. Yeah, there needs to be a also- humility. Well, and something Dan has always sort of touted, and let me just sort of toe the company line here a little bit without being too egregious, but Dan has always said there's things that need to be part of, a sh- a, in his mind, for him, a successful um, a combination of sadness and humor and... Um, it's it's sadness and humor and funny and strange and mm-hmm. if you can find a like the right Hell like yeah. you know you you make the right soup out of that you're gonna get something that everyone can at least on some level because not everyone's gonna love everything but on some level everyone it has a little bit of all those yeah. things and I think that's it's great and wherever he picked that up I I don't know but that's that's this studio, Starburns Industries, has those things, and that's we're really focused on making sure that we keep putting those bits and pieces of those mm-hmm. ingredients into the things. And that's why I think The Simpsons had it in spades. Rick and Morty has it in in, in spades plus. Um, and Pete, and Pete and, had it. Yeah, Pete absolutely. And Pete, I mean, let's holy shit. Hats I mean, off to some of the people that that had anything to do with that. My my old buddy Rick Roll, who is who's I mean, there. I just dropped the bomb, but <laughs> but Rick, if you're listening, great job. Um, but uh, yeah, that show had it, and mm-hmm. I you know I know you know Justin and I have had conversations about Pete and Pete, and he thinks it's a great show as well, and it it is because it has those things and those that people that are time. trying to do or wanting to do things. Um, that make a difference, think of those four elements and find that stew that makes those things come to life and go go forth with them. And, and, and whatever version you come up with, hopefully that's something that speaks out to all of us because otherwise I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't be sitting here 30 years later talking to you gals about how The Simpsons changed my life. Yeah. Completely. I uh, I love how uh, ingrained this is into Starburns. Uh, we had another guest on the show that talked about these elements, and of course, it was Simon Ore because yeah. he knows that these are the things, and that's why you guys work at the same magical place. Yeah. And there is that. Yeah. The, it's it's all of those. It, most shows are missing one of them. Most things don't yeah. have quite the amount of weirdness or quite the amount of. Well, I think because heart. those shows tend to be in it for kind of the wrong reasons. It's more of like a survivalist Money. sort of paycheck. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> thing of like, you know, we're making this kind of sitcom and it needs to be, you know, very milk toast. It needs to be very like um, inoffensive. And we need a star, like a very famous star in it. But to take risks, especially on the sadness, especially on the strange and and to combine those things. I think that's great. I find also... Those are the reasons we got into this, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't we? Like, because we were sad and we felt strange and like, that's why I moved to LA. I lived in NorCal and it was like, this place sucks and I want to go to a place where everyone is at least more strange and more lonely than I am. Mm -hmm. And then I can at least feel that much better about myself and and it turns out I was completely wrong. I am the most lonely and sad person <laughs> in the room. And and it's great because at least I can be that person and be proud of that person right. here, 
doing what I do, which is make cartoons and, 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 and entertaining people. And the people that I work with are uh, astonishingly talented. And the people that, you know, when, 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 I, when, when, when Noah lobbed up to me, Hey, would you be interested in doing this? I'm like, fuck yeah, I would. Because any chance to talk about that and make sure that there's people out there that feel like, Oh, Hey, I can also be weird and strange and lonely and no one's going to judge. Come over to our, stand in front of our building and say, Hey, I'm lonely. And I'll come out and talk to you. <laughs> I fucking will. And um, I believe it. I love that. Yeah. That's so great. Because, it, it, you know, otherwise, if you don't feel like you have a place to go, it's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And uh, for. Bummer. So let's end the show on the bummer. Hi, <laughs> everyone. It was really great talking with you. I, I will say for, for a lot of us, the reason that uh, Julie and I became friends and why I know that I'll connect to someone that likes Rick and Morty or The Simpsons, early Simpsons, is you know that there's a part of them that's sad in the way that you're sad yeah. and that feel in the way that you feel. Mm-hmm. And just see the world in the same way even though it's such an objectively good and funny show to like it so passionately says a lot about who you are and these shows these characters feel like your friends and they Mm -hmm. feel they they are a part of you and so when you meet people that like the things that you like in these ways it's kind of like we're gonna be okay at least for this conversation i I know that we're gonna be okay and you know the simpsons had that That, that's what made you want to be watching that show is because they you felt like oh you're right these people are sad and i and i i I align myself with them um and there's other shows like that that did it like you know you say like pete and pete and even shows like duck man and cow and chicken and stuff like that there were shows they all had this like this air of like oh man i really wish that there was something a little bit better in my life and but i'll I'll endure. I'll figure out a way to do it, yeah. but I'm going to do it by you know, uh, you know, kicking a cow in the udders or whatever. There's there's a way. <laughs> mm-hmm. They all have this strange way of making you feel you know better about yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I I I love that you guys invited me onto the show and thank you very much for doing it. I don't know why I'm closing. Is it no way? Yeah, we go for it. <laughs> I just was like, it's your show now. <laughs> kind of felt like that's where we were going with it, but I just you know I I, I think it's really important that yeah. uh, that I that I mention that and you know I'm still here. I am. However many years later, I mean, I started in 88 on the show and and it's almost 30 years later and I'm still a huge fan of the show and I'm so glad it's still part of mm-hmm. um, lives like you were you said you were born in 91 and that's when I started on the show. And, you know, all of the obvious jokes aside, that's that's cool that you guys are doing something now about the show that still keeps that show alive. And and my kid, who's five years old, is or almost five years old, my wife will say, he's four and three quarters. <laughs> will, we'll, you know, hopefully um, glom on to this whole idea that, you know, this there's something that we can look at, like a show like The Simpsons and the Rick and Mortys and Cops that we're going to produce and stuff like that, that we can, um, you know, attract an audience like my son. He's going to watch it anyway, otherwise he won't get his allowance. But <laughs> we have to make Absolutely. sure. Or that he, you know, that he understands where dad came from was a place of, of you know, heartfelt integrity. Yeah. And that I, that, uh, and now it's on tape, so there's nothing Great. you can say about it. You were very yeah. vulnerable. I, I win. Um, I feel like I, I apply a similar thing to what I do, uh, where I always think to myself, like, just blow 13-year-old Julia's mind. Yeah. Just blow her mind. Like, make something that will make her go, holy shit, you get to do that as yeah. an adult? Hell you know, yeah. and bring that in the world? And then, you know, I've worked on things where I've seen those other, you know, 13-year-olds or who, however, like, come into it and have their minds blown in a similar way that my mind was blown when I first came to The Simpsons or other shows. Yeah. And it's a fucking treat. And that's yeah. all I want to live for forever and ever and ever. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a cool, thank you. I mean, yeah. earnest conversation. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And then if you just want to plug anything or just any last words, feel free. I spent the last hour plugging. Any other famous friends you want to give a shout subtle out to? Way, um, I'd like to thank my wife, Shannon, <laughs> my son, Malcolm. We should end it with thanks, like it's an yeah. acceptance speech. We really should. That's, that's an, how we're going to shift the podcasting game. Mm-hmm. No, it's good. And, uh, you know, and thanks to Dustin and mm-hmm. to Matt uh, Brousseau and, and uh, the kids that, that run Feral and uh, Dan for having the heart to know that Feral was an important part of, uh, yeah. the, you know, the, the Wild West that we're trying to uh, put our flags in. Um to Dino for taking a lunch with uh, me and James Fino, my producing partner, to uh, 
to say like, hey, let's, you know, for better, for worse, start a company for Duke Johnson for coming aboard and being such a creative like force and, uh, you know, in, in producing or directing the, uh, you know, uh, Frankenholes and Anomalisa um, uh, for uh, for you guys taking the chance on us to be part of the feral world. Yeah. Um, it's an honor for us. We're so else? excited. Do I, I'm sure I forgot somebody. <laughs> oh, Jason Smith, man. Without that guy, Farrell would, uh, he, they, I wouldn't have underwear. <laughs> Same here, man. Yeah. We're not going to expand on that, even though I know what you mean. I, I could. I could. I came out wearing some of the underwear that Jason got me on this. Uh, Was to, it me on this? No. Uh, I, I love MeUndies. Um, but <laughs> I came good. out wearing them, and, and my, my wife says, Joe, those underwear are really G-A-Y. And my four-and-a-half-year-old goes, that spells gay. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Uh, he's four and three-quarters. Four and three-quarters. Um. Yes, thank you. Yes, Shannon will love that you corrected me Great. That. She'll love that you corrected me more than actually being factual. <laughs> perfect. All right, well, thank you so much. And Julia, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Wow, thank you so much for for asking. You can find me at Allie Gertz and all the things. You could find us, obviously, on Feral Audio. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we're still at Simpsons yeah, Pod on all the at, things. Yeah. And you can still um, email us at everythingscominguppodcast at gmail.com. And we'll probably make another one for our new title. We'll see what happens. We'll but, see. Uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Feral Audio.